Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, konnichiwa. Nikki Young here, back with my true crime podcast series, Serial Napper. Being someone who is deeply into true crime and all things spooky, I often wonder how many times I've walked past someone who is either a murderer or someone evil just waiting for the opportunity to create a heinous crime. I mean, they walk amongst us. It's crazy to think that they don't. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with who have talked about their own brush with actual killers. My husband actually met Russell Williams, you know, the convicted murderer and former colonel in the Canadian forces. He was an absolute looney tune, but he was well-respected as a leader of the Canadian forces. It's insane to know what he was hiding, how he was able to wear a mask and only show his true identity in the most sinister of times. Okay, there is a reason I'm talking about this. Tonight, we are taking it back to Japan 
And we're talking about a cannibal who got away with murdering and eating a young woman. He walks free today. I may have even passed him in the train station or on the sidewalk. I don't know. And maybe I don't want to know. Just a little heads up if you happen to be eating right now. Um, finish up your snack or your food before you continue on with this case because it's not an easy one on the stomach. But before we jump into tonight's case, I want to tease about something really friggin' cool that I'm going to be showing off next week. My Hamilton, Ontario listeners, you're going to want to pay close attention to this. Next week, I will be covering a case local to you, and then you're going to have the opportunity to go on a little true crime scavenger hunt. I'm serious. You're going to be able to go and visit the scenes of some of the places I talk about and go digging for a little bit more information about the case. I will be teasing more information over on my Facebook page at Serial Napper, so stay tuned. Okay, let's do it, shall we? The man that we are talking about tonight is Issei Sagawa, and he was a bit of a local celebrity here in Japan after committing some pretty heinous crimes. Born on April 26, 1949 in Kobe, he went by the name Peng and was lucky enough to be born into a fairly wealthy family. Unrelated, I swear, but Kobe is known for its beef. And Kobe Bryant was actually named after this town when his father said he had the best steak of his life here. I visited Kobe last year and a meal of the four of us was about 600 US dollars, but it was well worth it, honestly, super delicious. Thankfully, Kobe is still very much known for its beef and not this cannibal killer. So, Pang was born prematurely reportedly small enough to fit in the palm of his father's hand. As a baby, he developed enteritis, a disease of the small intestine, but recovered after several injections of potassium and calcium and saline. If you look at photos of Pang today, he's very small in stature. He's almost frail-looking in my opinion. And, of course, you know I'm going to be posting photos of him over on my Facebook page, so go check that out. He had a great upbringing. His parents were traditional, but they were very loving and nurturing, and he hasn't said otherwise. He never complains about having a bad upbringing. Honestly, he was very sheltered. Because of his small size, his parents tried to protect him. However, this overbearing parenting kind of gave Pang a complex. He was always very much aware that he was different than other people. Now, growing up, I think it's fair to say that Pang maybe had a few issues. Maybe he wasn't all there. Maybe he was just sinister to begin with. I'm not too sure. He retells that his first experience involving cannibalistic desire happened in first grade after seeing a male's thigh. He also talks about a cannibal game that his uncle used to play with him and his brother. He remembers this game well and thinks that it could have played a role in his cannibalistic feelings. And sorry to all of you pet lovers out there, really I'm sorry. This is beyond disgusting, but as a youth, he partook in bestiality with his dog. Needless to say, he was really fucked up. He had a hard time talking to females, 
So he spent most of his time dreaming about women who he would never speak to. In particular, he had a fascination with Western women. Think Marilyn Monroe, basically the very opposite of who he was. But his admiration for Western women went deeper than that. In his early 20s, Pang decided it would be a great idea to follow a tall German woman home while living in Tokyo. She was beautiful. She had blonde hair and much like Western women he had fantasized about. He broke into her apartment while she was sleeping and he was planning to cannibalize her by slicing off part of her butt and sneaking away with a small part of her flesh. I'm not sure how well he planned this. I mean, you would think this would cause the woman to immediately wake up with having her flesh cut off of her. And this is exactly what happened. He only had with him an umbrella and a Frankenstein mask that he was wearing. The woman, of course, woke up and pushed him to the ground. This would have been fairly easy for her to do. Like I said, he was a small man. He tried to flee, but she kept him there until police arrived. Basically, she was a badass. He was captured by police, and he was charged with attempted rape. You would think he would decide to take his lumps for the attempted rape charge, keeping his desire to cannibalize the woman a secret. However, his wealthy parents paid the German woman off, and the charges were dropped. At this point, his parents were kind of concerned, I mean, he had just broken into this woman's house, so they sent him to see a psychologist, and the psychologist told them that their son was a dangerous man. Yet, they did nothing with this information, which could have prevented everything that was about to happen. When he was 27 years old, Pang moved to France to pursue a PhD in literature at the Sorbonne in Paris. It was his first time away from his parents, and this seemed to give him a little bit of a confidence boost in what he really wanted to carry out. Almost every night that he lived there, he would pick up a prostitute with the intent of cannibalizing them. His plan was to shoot them before eating them, so apparently he learned from his first time around. Either way, luckily for these prostitutes, he never actually pulled the trigger because he always found himself freezing up. He later said, It became less about wanting to eat them, but more an obsession with the idea that I simply had to carry out this ritual of killing a girl no matter what. On June 11, 1981, he would finally sum up enough courage to carry out that ritual. Pang invited his classmate, Rene Hartevelt, to dinner at his apartment under the pretext of translating poetry for a school assignment. Rene was young, at just 25 years old, extremely beautiful, and Pang was incredibly attracted to her. She was a kind-spirited girl from Holland who trusted just a little bit too much, unfortunately. I imagine she likely pitied Pang a little bit, felt a little bit sorry for him, because he was a loner and quite different from everyone else. But she was committed to making him feel included. They had many long conversations, and she would often invite him out to dinner with her friends. And even though she was so incredibly kind to him, he planned to kill and eat her, having selected her for her health and beauty, 
characteristics that he felt he lacked. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Pang thought that by eating her, he would absorb some of her energy, her youth, and her good looks. 
He felt that he loved her, and what better way to be close to her than to eat her? So, when Renee came to Pang's house for dinner, she had no idea what fate was awaiting her. She began reading poetry at a desk with her back to him. He couldn't face her because he was a coward. So, he held a rifle up to the back of her head. He attempted to kill her once, unsuccessfully, before actually murdering her. The first time, the gun misfired, but this time, he successfully shot her in the neck with a rifle. While he had the courage to go ahead with shooting his victim this time, he fainted after she was shot. But soon he awoke with the realization that he had to carry out his plan. Now, I don't know if I need to put a trigger warning here because honestly, this whole story is just absolutely disgusting. So trigger warning, I guess. But yeah, it's it's all bad. Pang had sex with Renee's dead corpse. Then he kissed her dead corpse and told her he loved her. Next, he tried to eat her just as she was, a whole dead body. Of course, he couldn't bite into her skin because his teeth were not sharp enough. So he left the apartment and went to go purchase a butcher knife. Then he came home and began to cut parts of her body into smaller pieces that he could eat. Peng ate most of her breasts and face, saving other parts in his refrigerator. He also took photographs of her at each eating stage so that he could commemorate the moment. In an interview later, he would say that his only regret was that he hadn't eaten her while she was still alive. What I truly wished was to eat her living flesh, he said. Nobody believes me, but my ultimate intention was to eat her, not necessarily to kill her. Pang had spent a total of 48 hours in his apartment with Renee's body. He then put her body parts into two suitcases, hailed a taxi, and told the driver to bring him to a park near a lake. He attempted to dump her body in the Lake Bois du Boulange, thinking it was somewhat of a remote location, but thankfully, he was seen in the act and was arrested by French police. Actually, there was a restaurant near the lake, and people had seen this tiny man pulling two suitcases behind him, trying to drag them over into the lake. So, there are a few different versions that I've heard about how this all went down. In one account, he was caught red-handed with the suitcases. But in another, I read that he had actually tired himself out pulling these suitcases over to the lake and actually fell asleep, like right by the lake, I think on a tree stump. When he woke up, there were people opening the suitcases that he had dropped there, so he fled. It was only later that Pang was arrested after the taxi driver came forward with information. I'm not sure which actually happened. I think it was the second story, but in the end, he was caught. When police opened the suitcase, they found the woman's legs, her torso, and head in the suitcase and observed that pieces of flesh had been cut from the parts. Because the body was so badly mutilated, they would not have been able to identify her if it were not for Pang's arrest. When he was arrested, he immediately came clean about what had happened. 
Police noted that he was small, fragile, and seemed like an unlikely suspect in such a gruesome murder. But when they searched his apartment, it was apparent that he had done what he claimed he did, and they could not believe what they found. They opened a small refrigerator in his apartment and found a large quantity of human flesh from his victim that he was saving to eat later. They found a plate that he had used to eat pieces of his victim from. The nail in the coffin came when Renee's ID was found in his apartment. His demeanor the entire time shocked and disturbed the police. He kept his composure as he gave them every single grueling detail of what he had done. He wasn't the typical persona of someone who would do something like this, yet here he was. He remained in France during the trial. Lucky for Pang, he came from money, and so his wealthy father provided a lawyer for his defense. And after being held for two years awaiting trial, he was found legally insane and unfit to stand trial by the French judge, Jean-Louis Brugier, who ordered him to be held indefinitely in a mental institution. While there, he had extensive mental examinations done. In one report, it was noted that he was hung up on his height. Remember, he was a small man, like four feet tall. He was described as emotionally cold and self-satisfied when he spoke about the crimes. He was devoid of any emotion, which one would need to be in order to partake in cannibalism. His story was published in all of the local papers, and it was incredibly strange because he almost gained sort of like a celebrity status. People in France were completely intrigued by him, his thinking, and his actions. Pang's father came to the rescue again, of course. He hired an incredibly expensive and powerful lawyer to have him deported back to Japan, citing that it was unfair for the taxpayers of France to be paying for the medical treatment of Pang. And so, he was sent back to Japan. You would think that while in Japan, he would spend the rest of his days in a Japanese mental hospital, right? Well, that didn't happen. He was literally a free man the moment he landed on Japanese soil. He had never actually been charged in France. And because charges in France had been dropped, the French court documents were sealed and were not released to Japanese authorities. So consequently, Pang could not legally be detained in Japan. But Pang's father was smart. He knew that if the public found out what he had done and that he wasn't going to be put in a jail, they would be angry. There would be outrage. There would be backlash. So he contacted the Matsuzawa Hospital and had his son committed there. The media basically figured he'd probably just spend the rest of his entire life at this institution. The psychologists that examined him at this hospital all declared him sane and found sexual perversion was his sole motivation for murder. But still, he was a free man. And so, just 18 months after he arrived back in Japan, he checked himself out of the hospital on August 12, 1986. And he remains free. Like, literally, he is free right now. 
and he has never been charged with his crimes. Once Pang was back in Japan and walking around as a free man, he became somewhat of a celebrity here too. I can't possibly understand why, but he was often invited to be a guest speaker and commentator on television shows here. Um, he wrote books about the murder he committed, including his most famous book called In the Fog. And he's profited a ton from this. It's a first-person account of his crime. That's basically what the book is. However, because people are curious creatures, his book sold out. So he saw how popular he was and how people wanted to hear his story. He continued to write. Actually, he wrote 19 books about his crime. It's pretty disgusting. He's also written restaurant reviews for the Japanese magazine called Spa. Like, who the hell would want a cannibal writing a review for your restaurant? What does he have to possibly say about the way the food tastes after eating human remains? In one review, he wrote, It melted in my mouth like raw tuna in a sushi restaurant. That's him describing the food in a restaurant review. Actually, the Rolling Stones also wrote a song entitled Too Much Blood that featured Pang. So he basically got rich and famous for his act of murder and cannibalism instead of actually paying for his crime and getting the much-needed help that he should have gotten. Thankfully, the younger generation in Japan seems to see him now for who he truly is, a disgusting murderer. And so his fame died off, and he's sort of just faded into the background. In 2013, he was hospitalized from cerebral infraction, which permanently damaged his nervous system. Since being released, he's been under the full-time care of his brother, but he is completely free. He is under no supervision, living his life under a different name. He would be 71 years old today, and apparently he's living just outside of Tokyo, so I'm hoping he spends most of his time at home. During my research, I honestly couldn't believe what I was reading and seeing. There's one documentary, it's called The Cannibal That Walked Free. I'm going to include the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube, so it's free to watch, but it literally shows Pang walking around Shibuya Crossing without a care in the world. He talks completely open about his desire for human flesh and about the murder he committed. And, not surprisingly, he says he's not cured at all. I recommend you check it out. Go watch the interviews. It kind of brings me back to what I was saying at the beginning of this episode. You never truly know who people are or who is around you. That's it for tonight's story. I hope I didn't make you vomit in your mouth too much. I know it was kind of disgusting, but um, if you go watch that YouTube episode... <laughs> you're going to vomit in your mouth a whole lot more. So just to let you know, but I, I do recommend you go see it. You need to watch him speak for himself because it's appalling. And the fact that he was never actually convicted is just sick. It's sick. You guys, I'm so excited for next week's case. 
And I have an awesome surprise that I'm working on. It's going to be amazing. I'll be updating my Facebook and my Twitter as more details are released. But I'm working hard on that and um, I'll have more details as they come. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me over on Facebook at Serial Napper. That's S-E-R-I-A-L-N-A-P-P-E-R. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. If you are on Spotify, don't worry. Podcasts are free to listen to. Go check me out over on Twitter. My username is Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube and I have a really long ass username. I'm so sorry about that. It's super annoying, but it's Nikki Young Serial Napper, all one word. Head on over on whatever app you're listening to me and leave me a review if you don't mind. Seriously, guys, leaving me a review is like one of the biggest ways that you can help me to really launch my podcast. And as always, I super, super, super appreciate your support. So, Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.